Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. In honor of Black History Month, I wanted to tell the stories of women whose lives were stolen and whose murders were never held accountable because they lived in a time where murdering a Black person was something you could get away with. During this month, it is important to not only honor the accomplishments of our ancestors, but their sacrifices too. The history of who we are and where we came from are important, even the ugliest parts of it. This month, I will bring you the stories of four Black women over the next four weeks, but too many souls will only be available on Patreon. Now, our first story is the story of Laura Nelson, who was lynched along with her son in May 1911 in Okama, Oklahoma. If you're a Black person in this country whose family was once enslaved, then you know that trying to trace your ancestry can be a disappointing challenge. If you can find any information at all, then count yourself lucky. But even the information you can find tends to end somewhere. There's only but so far back we can trace our roots. For Laura, there's no information about her before she married her husband, Austin Nelson. Austin and Laura were married sometime between 1896 and 1898. Now, the only way to be able to track a Black family's movements during this time is through census records. Austin and Laura entered on the 1900 census for the first time as a married couple, and they said on the census that they had been married at that time for four years. By this time, the couple had a son, too. His name was L.D., and he was three years old. And they were living in Bosque County, Texas. Austin was now working as a farm laborer, and both Laura and her husband were able to read and write. By 1910, Laura and Austin had moved their family to Creek Township, Oklahoma. Austin is now listed as a farmer, and their son, L.D., is 12 years old. The couple have also had a daughter named Carrie, who was one years old at the time. In that year, Laura reports that she had given birth to three children. However, only two were living, and there's no information about what happened to the third child. Laura was 27, and Austin was 35. But just a little over a year later, the entire Nelson family would be torn apart. On May 1st, 1911, a cow was stolen from the land of a local man named Claude Luttrell. Now, it's not clear how Austin became named as a suspect, but some local law enforcement found out that it was Austin Nelson being accused of stealing the cow. The next day, the deputy sheriff got a group of men together to go over to Austin and Laura's farm to investigate the theft. 
they had obtained a warrant from the Justice of the Peace, and so they went over to the Nelson home to search the property. The group included the sheriff, the deputy sheriff, George Looney, Constable Cliff Martin, Claude Luttrell, whose cattle had been allegedly stolen, and a fourth man named Oscar Lane. Now, it's not clear who he was or what connection he had to all of this. But at around 9 p.m., the group arrived at the Nelson farm and showed Austin the warrant that they had to search the property. The report stated that Austin had no objections to the search and allowed the men to enter. Now, warrant or no warrant, I'm pretty sure he really didn't have much of a choice. After a search of the property, there was beef found in either the home or in the garage. And now what happened next is not exactly clear. The only articles about the incident are one-sided. We, of course, never got to hear Laura's side of the story. But according to reports, after the group entered the home, the constable was asked by the deputy sheriff, Looney, to take the cap off of a muzzle-loaded gun that was hanging on the wall. Now, this would make it so that the gun could not be fired. However, when Martin reached for the gun, Laura allegedly said to him that the gun belonged to her. Reports state that Laura's words were, look here, boss, that gun belongs to me. Martin told Laura that they were not there to hurt anybody, according to the reports, that they merely wanted to unload the gun. LD, who was reported as being 16 in some articles, was actually 13 or 14 years old, and he was also home at the time. The reporting says that there was another gun that had been hidden behind a trunk. Apparently, Laura went to get that gun, but at the same time, her son LD allegedly grabbed for the gun also, causing a struggle to ensue. The gun then accidentally went off, and a bullet grazed the leg of the constable and hit the sheriff in the hip near his abdomen. The deputy then stumbled outside, where he died. The shooting was obviously an accident, but you could not be black and accidentally shoot a cop and not expect severe repercussions back then. The Ledger, a local newspaper, had a completely different account of what occurred, describing the incident as a gunfight that had the deputy retreating behind a wagon. The paper described the death as one of the most cold-blooded murders in the county's history. It was clear that there were two competing narratives about what had occurred that night. But regardless, Laura and LD's fate was sealed. Austin Nelson was arrested that night and booked into the jail on felonious theft charges in the early morning hours of May 3rd. Austin eventually confessed to stealing the cow because he said he really just needed to feed his family. Later that day, the sheriff went to the Nelson farm to arrest Laura and LD for the murder of the deputy sheriff. Laura and LD had gone to her uncle's house just a few miles away. She probably went there for protection because she knew that they would eventually come for her and LD. Laura also had Carrie at this time, who was around two years old. With Austin now being gone, she and her children were alone. But within hours of her husband's arrest, Laura and LD were both booked into the county jail, and Carrie was apparently allowed to be with her mother in the cell. On May 12th, Austin Nelson pled guilty to the theft charges, and he was sentenced to three years in prison. Austin tried to explain what happened with his wife and son, He tried to defend them by saying his wife was just trying to get the gun away from her son so that there wouldn't be any issues. And that's when the struggle began and that's when the gun went off. But his attempt to save his wife and son didn't work. Laura and LD remained in jail, charged with murder, held without bail. And Austin was sent to the state penitentiary four days later. 
The Nelsons had retained a lawyer, but at that point, it probably wasn't much they could do, even if they had tried to do anything. Laura and LD were not given a bail, and even if they were, what happened to them likely would have still happened to them unless they had fled the area. Before Austin was sent to the state penitentiary, reports in that local paper, The Ledger, state that Laura had been unruly when the jailer brought her food, and the headline of the paper read, Negro female prisoner gets unruly. Reports state that Laura tried to grab the jailer's gun, and when she couldn't get the gun, she tried to throw herself out of the window. She allegedly begged the jailer to kill her, according to the local paper. It's hard to imagine how scared Laura must have felt. Even if she was going to go to trial, she wasn't going to get a fair trial, and neither was her son. Her husband, the breadwinner, was now in state prison for the next three years. So if she did try to jump out of the window, it was probably because she felt hopeless and knew that her fate was sealed the moment that they put her into the cell. Laura and LD were scheduled to be arraigned on May 25th, 1911. But sometime between 1130 and midnight on the night before May 24th, a large group of about 40 white men gathered together and entered the unlocked door at the jail. The jailer would later say that he left the door open for a detective who was looking for an escaped convict. The jailer said that the men bound him and gagged him at gunpoint and then cut the line to the phones. Laura and LD were then dragged from their cells. The ledger described Laura as very black, small in stature, and vicious in an article about the lynching. After they had been kidnapped, Laura and LD were driven six miles away to the Canadian River to a bridge that crossed the river. There, Laura was gang-raped by the men in the mob. Then her and her son were gagged with toe sacks, and then both her and her son LD were lynched. LD had his pants pulled down so that they could further humiliate the child in his death. The following morning, Laura and LD's bodies were discovered by a young boy taking his cow to the river for water. At around 11 a.m., their bodies were cut down, but that wasn't before people gathered on the bridge to see the bodies. And before they were taken down, a photograph was taken so that a postcard could be made so they could send a message to the surrounding black towns about how they lynch black people where they are. For years, the postcards with Laura and LD's bodies were sold in the county. Laura and LD's bodies were never claimed by family members, and so the county kept possession and they were buried in unmarked graves. And despite lynching being illegal at the time, no one was ever held accountable for their deaths. The mystery of what happened to two-year-old Carrie still remains. According to witnesses, Carrie was taken from the cell when her mother was. Some accounts state that Carrie was thrown into the river and was seen floating after her mother was lynched. Other accounts say that someone brought Carrie back to the town and she, after she was found lying on the ground and she was raised by someone there. Hopefully it is the latter, but unfortunately, we'll never really know what happened to Carrie. The lynching of Laura Nelson and her son LD is one of thousands of stories of Black people who were lynched during that era in America. Most of their stories are unknown. Laura's story is one of the ones that made it, thanks to the photo that was taken to intimidate the Black adjoining town. Her picture is one of the only ones that exists of a woman that was lynched. Her picture is often used in connection with Mary Turner, whose story we will tell next, but 
The photo of the woman in the long dress hanging from the bridge is Laura Nelson. Laura Nelson was 27 years old. She was a mother, and she spent the last days of her life in complete terror. So as you celebrate Black History Month and honor the ancestors, think about Laura and her son. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.